Hello, my name is Karen Braithwaite and I'm the Global Head of Transaction Banking for Barclays Corporate Bank. This year, International Women's Day is focusing on celebrating the efforts of women who are shaping a more equal future and raising awareness against bias. And alongside that, it's highlighting how collectively we can all create an inclusive world. I joined Barclays two years ago and I was attracted by its culture of inclusivity, which strives for women's voices to be heard. As a senior leader in the business, I've also seen firsthand the benefits of having diversity at the table where decisions are being made. Differing perspectives broaden the content of discussions, which leads to more effective problem solving. The theme of this year's International Women's Day is choosing to challenge. And as you will hear from our speakers today, we encourage you to think of how you can challenge gender biases and inequalities within your business. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the What Is Possible podcast. And welcome to our listeners. I'm Nazreen Bizram, your host and Head of Charities at Barclays Corporate Banking. Just a quick note about today's recording. We would normally produce our podcast together in person, But as these are not normal times, this podcast is being recorded remotely from our homes. The theme for this year's International Women's Day is about choosing to challenge, to call out gender bias and inequality, and to seek out and celebrate women's achievements. And this will form the basis for our discussion today, the importance of promoting women in leadership. Joining me to give their insights on this key issue are Liana Kupusami, Inclusion, Diversity and Wellbeing Specialist for the UK at Clifford Chance, and Tom Wilkinson, Head of Energy and Infrastructure at Barclays Corporate and lead for the Corporate Banking Gender Council. So welcome, Liana and Tom, and thank you both for joining us. So the question of inequality has really been brought to the fore throughout the pandemic, whether we're talking about class, gender or minority groups. It seems that COVID-19 has really highlighted and in some cases worsened the inequalities in our society. Despite the progress that has been made in the last decade towards greater equality, the last 12 months feel like a bit of a step back. Liana, what do you think we can do to halt or even reverse this trend? Thank you, Naz, and thanks for having me on the podcast today. I I think it's a really difficult one to reverse anything at this stage, but the key to moving forwards will be how businesses adapt. We adapted to a remote working environment and are now in a position to push for equality and inclusion, given what we have lost in the last year. First of all, we need to acknowledge that minority groups have been disproportionately affected and that we do have worsened inequalities in our society. Depending on your role, you may not even be able to work from home, and that depends on the industry that you're in. Studies have shown that women are more likely to be made redundant when companies are struggling and more likely to leave their jobs because they're struggling to keep up with their hours while trying to manage everything at home. So I think for the decisions that are about to come in the next couple of months with some businesses restructuring, we're really consciously going to have to think about how we are making decisions 
as a leader, how can you reduce bias to prevent more minorities being disproportionately impacted? We've seen the inequalities on parents and particularly women who have been carers for perhaps elderly parents or, and their children. So we really need to think about approaches that work for women, work for flexible families and start rebuilding that offering that is going to be a fairer system. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast as well, Nas, to talk about such an important point. Obviously, a load of different points to talk through there. And, and the particular ones that come out to me are obviously focused on the importance of leaders in this environment and, and, and in dealing with this important issue. So, Nas, you're obviously co-chair of the Barclays Embrace Multicultural Diversity Network and a female lead, leader yourself. What's your perspective on all of this? So from a personal perspective, you know, working from home has been a challenge. Um, I have a 12 year old son, so there haven't been any boundaries in terms of work and home life. And it's been really difficult to to separate the both. And I think that's been one sort of personal challenge for me. So I absolutely recognise the impact that it's had on women and um, in particular minorities in terms of this new way we've, we've had to adapt and work at home from. I also think the other challenge that I've personally found is being a woman is is how do you remain visible um, in the office? You know, people see what you're doing, your, your line managers, your leaders see what you're doing. But how do you remain visible in an authentic way mm-hmm. in a virtual world and still be recognized for your contribution? So those are sort of two things that I've really grappled with. And I think that that boundary between work and home life is, is still a challenge as we continue through this lockdown. And I think as a leader, because I am a leader of of a team, um, I think I've got to role model the right behaviour here. So being flexible and creative enough to provide opportunities for my team, in particular women, so that they can progress and develop despite the additional pressures at home. And also making decisions that are inclusive and understanding the impact of those decisions on all our colleagues but also challenging decisions where you know a particular group of people may be impacted or marginalised, such as ethnic minorities, for example, and hence really calling out that bias. So absolutely picking up on everything Liana said earlier. I know that people have found it really difficult to juggle the um, relationship with homeschooling, um, being present, showing that you're often working at all hours and falling into that virtual presenteeism. And it's a concern and and should be a concern for employers when people are taking up mental capacity to show that they are online at a certain time or working, you know, really late hours because there is a fear of obviously what is coming with uncertainty around the pandemic and their jobs, that it's an additional weight that is is playing on their mind, but also manifesting in in, um, poor mental well-being. I do think, however, that technology has leveled the playing field in some cases. We have now more insight into people's lives than we ever would have done in the office. And and in some cases, even more connected, I would say. So it's a real opportunity to use that to create a culture of inclusion and learn more about each other. And therefore reducing those stigmas and and challenging that bias that we, we see in the workplace. So. It's about how we take that forward and really create that uh, and really create and foster that culture of inclusion. Yeah, that's interesting. That's because um, I think everyone just felt pretty inexperienced initially. And we've all had to learn within a pretty difficult environment ourselves, haven't we? So it's been a it's 
it's been a challenge, but I'm sure we've all developed a lot in the last 12 months um, across all the points you mentioned. No, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot to be concerned about in the wake of the pan- pandemic, right? A lot to worry about in terms of the wider economy. But have there been any changes that you might think become opportunities for a more equitable world, you know, working from home, for example? And Tom, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on this. You know, what do you think that flexibility allows um, and, and what, what impact does that have, particularly for women? Yeah, obviously, I agree with the um, impact on the wider economy. Obviously, pretty pretty significant in, in lots of ways, but there are likely to be opportunities. And I, I guess there's likely to be opportunities for, for in, in lots of different areas because we're going to, we have experienced a lot of change in a pretty short period of time. And that means that we probably have the ability to try and um, to make some lasting changes for, for the better. But the way I think about this, both the impact and the opportunities, I think about it as sort of as two phases. The first phase is the real working environment that we're in now and hopefully will be coming will be coming out of over the next few months to a bit more of, of what we what we understood before to be the sort of normal working environments that we would we would expect and out of us certainly from a lockdown um, environment that we're working in that short dated environment has lots of opportunities as well we talked about well-being well that focus in the short term has obviously been critically important for everybody whether that's on health, on um, mental health and physical health, on, on, around um, people's own um, well-being when it comes to care for others, those types of things that have been impacting a lot, a lot of people. Well, that means that an organisation and and leaders in organisations can understand more about their colleagues than they ever have before. And that means they should have more information to create change and positive change off off the back of it. The other area that creates opportunity, I think, is employees, if they are supported by their employer, if they are open with them around their situations that they are dealing with and they they feel a sense of support and flexibility, well, when asked to make changes and adjustments in the future, they've probably got more chance of success and more chance of acceptance. It comes back to fostering that culture of inclusion, doesn't it? So, you know, to be open with your employers, to be open with your colleagues and each other, we as leaders, I guess, and as an organisation have to create that culture so people feel confident that when they share what they're facing at home, that doesn't cause detriment to their career in any shape or form, and they feel supported, then that's a kind of a win-win situation in my eyes. I mean, Liana, do you agree? Yeah, I think the critical point there, and and Tom raised it earlier, is around the awareness. So actually having an awareness and an understanding of how your employees work. And we've all got to know each other, I think, a bit better over this pandemic. We've got, you know, increased levels of empathy, you would hope. And we should be able to support people um, in in the right way for the months coming up. So I think understanding what what your employees need, um, being open to change. We've, we've changed so much already. So being able to know what people want and how they want to work is going to be key to, to actually feeling that people can be open about um, where they want to work and, and the ways they want to do so. Absolutely, Liana. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because Many organisations are, you know, looking at the future of work. I think it's been on everybody's agenda since we went into lockdown last year. But this hybrid model of flexible working is what I seem to be hearing. 
I mean, Liana, what advice would you give to organisations? What do they need to be aware of to make this work for everyone and in particular women? I think I saw an article the other day that said, you know, it was eight or nine out of 10 people if they were asked to return to work full time most people would think about leaving their jobs. Um, So that's the reality that we're in. People have got used to working from home and they want some sort of hybrid model. And it does sound perfect, right? But in order to ensure it's equipped to serve all your employees, there are lots of things to think about. And so as an employer, you need to adequately support your employees to be effective for working from home. Um, You know, we went into lockdown March last year, the first lockdown, and at Clifford Chance, we were, you know, really lucky to be given an allowance for, you know, a desk chair, a a desk, um, whatever we needed, because I think there was a forward thinking move there to say, you know, this is an investment, we know, actually, we need to support our employees, because it is going to be for a long term. So, it's been positive to see see employers to make that move, but it's also a really good chance when you're having a, a, a flexible working model to re-establish what boundaries look like, what the new working norms should look like. I think two, three years ago, we were actually in a place where some people maybe have never taken their laptop home. And now we've got people, you know, embracing working from home. So it's really positive, but there will be lots of dynamics to think about with the sense of if you go to the office, you know, like we talked about earlier, presenteeism, is it is it more favoured if you're that person going, how can we ensure that we're treating people fairly? It needs to be an open communication around what works for you as an individual. Nobody is the same. Nobody's situation is the same. So, you know, as a working woman, potentially with with childcare responsibilities, I would need to know that on these two days of the week, this is what I need to do. And this is when I have a pickup or a drop off. But I don't need to worry that you're thinking I'm not doing my job effectively. So it definitely can work, but in order for it to work, it needs to, we need to look at the bigger picture about the culture piece and helping communicate this between managers that there's an open level of trust there. Because I think without that, we'll actually hinder women from being able to progress and we'll be forcing them to make the decision around whether they're going to pursue their career or focus on their home life. I think I think that's right. As a leader you've got to facilitate the discussion. You've got to bring it up. You've got to make sure that you try and talk about what changes would you like to see. And the biggest area that organizations need to focus on is that any request for flexibility doesn't have to be a trade-off for career progression, and they shouldn't be. And that's a cultural thing, as you say, more than an operational thing. Um, You know, There's definitely been that perception before that when you take flexibility or you look for different working patterns around your own life, that that comes at a cost of something. It shouldn't be an issue. It's around what you, what you deliver and your output. And then that's the biggest, biggest change we have to push for, I think. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And do you think, I mean, given the new hybrid way of working, do you think that will actually attract more talent to our organisations? What's, what's your view on that, Liana? Yeah, I think we need to have greater transparency and. I think if you 
are not looking at a hybrid model or you're not flexible to you will be left behind and you won't be able to attract the talent that you're looking for we've we've looked at studies before around you know millennials and what they look for when they're where they're looking to move to an organization and diversity is one of the the key things that they look for but people are looking for flexible working so I think in order to attract the, the best talent you will need to be flexible in this approach. I had a really good concept the other day around talent and hybrid working. It's, and they talked about widening the gate. So not lowering the bar, but actually widening the gate. And I'll be really interesting to see if as we move into this hybrid model of working, whether we actually do widen the gate and actually attract more talent and open more, more opportunities for everyone, but in particular women. So moving on then, this drive to get more women into leadership and positions and promote their progression, is this going to be more difficult in a virtual world of work? Liana, what are your thoughts? So one out of four women are considering downsizing their career or leaving their job at present due to the pandemic and and looking at all the multiple roles they're playing. So what we do now as an employer is is really important. And as you touched on it earlier about visibility, traditionally, it's all about visibility you know you're building your profile you're making your case you're you're taking on that leadership role people want to see what you're contributing and what others think of you and so when we're thinking about progression we need to think about this kind of holistically but central to that needs to be the focus on women and getting them into those leadership roles so they can progress but before you get there you have to think about that succession planning element We need to be able to look at the cultures that we have within your environment. So do you have family friendly policies? You know, we've had flexible working programs maybe for a while and have they been formalized? Probably not. This is a really good time to do so. And I think we need to acknowledge that we aren't in a good position when it comes to progressing women into leadership roles. And we need to commit to showing that we we need to make progress here. So committing to, to doing so, but also around the transparency piece I always think, you know, we are still in the dark ages that we can't, as women, go to an interview and ever say, you know, what's your maternity policy? Or, you know, you you just wouldn't do it. No one can do that. And I just think it's we're so behind in many ways that we're not thinking about women when we're even attracting people to the organisation. So, We need to think about transparency, the development of women and their progression needs to come from the top. It has to be a commitment that we are actively saying we need to make change in this area, whether it's a target or, you know, whether you have a a, a leadership program um, that is specifically for women and you have driven outputs on that. Aside from the the output and productivity piece, you know, there's a, there's a whole huge element of, of bias that comes into this. And I think we need to think around how can we be innovative thinking about appraisals and feedback? You know, I think we could probably do a separate podcast just on appraisals because, you know, there's a huge area to talk about that there. You know, it, it should be seen as a two-way investment. And 
you know, people need to understand that they have biases and how these play out and what the impact has been on some of the decisions that they make that has hindered women's progression. There's a few things there, but, you know, there's there's lots of things that we need to think about when we're driving the progression of women in the workplace. There's a lot there, Liara, as well, around career paths and highlighting the opportunities, right? That's something that we've come across in our endeavors in the gender council in, in, in the corporate banking division that so it, it's such a common theme. One of the things I was really surprised at from a, I guess, from a um, male perspective, I had assumed that basically whether you're female or male, you would put your hand in the ring for a new opportunity if you thought you were able to do it. And I thought historically that that was pretty much a level playing field. But the truth is when we did a lot of our listening groups and our trying to understand more about the things we needed to improve upon, one of the key things was female talent didn't believe they were ready for the next role when actually line managers and everyone else thought they were. So we had to almost highlight the role and make sure they were publicized correctly, made sure that there were the opportunities were really seen and it was something for women to apply for. And that to me was, was real, you know, I didn't expect that when we did it and it actually made quite a bit of difference. And the other area that 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 enforces that is obviously clarity of career path. And, and when we're in this virtual world and we've got differences around the historic visibility that you would have seen in organizations that has been one of the things that's enabled you to, to progress your career well that's even more important that you know where the career is headed the path for it and that you know you talked about appraisals well that's exactly where it can come out in in those types of feedback and appraisal loops that you expect as well I spent some time in recruitment and we know that women are statistically less likely to apply for a role if they do not hit all of those bullet points on the job description. And they are less likely to negotiate when it comes to being offered that pay. And, and, you know, all of these feed into the gender pay gap. So we have a lot of work to do there as an employer to to assist in in balancing that out. Yeah, you definitely do, because it's it's. Any leader needs to be aware of those things, and I wasn't informed enough when you know before. And I've obviously learned a lot during this this process. But it, it's important that you know about these differences and these trends because if you don't know about, like your example around working in recruitment and knowing that that from a factual basis that is likely to happen, if leaders aren't aware of it, they can't they can't try and adjust and try and make sure that they they can attract the right type of talent for the organisation. Um, and I, I guess it's such an important point, but one that was overlooked. So I think the other important part of this equation is around male champions and male allyship. And I'm really keen to hear from you, Tom, what the role is for men in business and how they can support female progression and gender equality. I think it's important to be informed, first and foremost. Um, first thing I, I did when I started to, to understand more about this topic was just read a lot talk to people and try and understand a lot more about the topic. And I guess that's the same for any issue. It doesn't, it's not, it's not specific to this. The other area I thought was super important for anyone thinking about trying to make these changes. And this, this can be in any, any different industry and organization. And, and as you said, um, as at the, at the top, my, my role is um, head of energy and infrastructure, and they have some similar sort of, um, um, this is similar sort of leadership issues when it comes to female talent and, and uh, attracting diversity and, and inclusion properly right through the organization. Um, I think it's important to know where you are as an organization. Don't be afraid of that, right? So you need to make sure that you understand where you are. And, and I'm 
typically quite analytical. So I'd like to understand, the, you know, the reasons behind it um, and also understand the real facts and figures. And that that helps, right? So as soon as I've, I've found, as soon as you start to talk to people about how diverse teams are increased profitability, they increase the level of colleague satisfaction that you tend to see and also, you know, some signs that it's also got a better benefit for overall well-being. You can start to really get support and buy-in from from um, from your colleagues and from your other leaders in the organisation. Um, the other thing to, to do, I guess, from a from a male's perspective, is you, you don't need to um, speak for women, right? That isn't the issue. That's, that's not something you should be trying to do. You should be looking to stand next to them and to make sure that you you speak alongside them around issues to make sure that there's a real broad understanding of all of the issues and the strategic direction is, is very clear. So there's a number of other points we can we can talk about regarding um, what I think companies and organizations can do. Um, but I, I guess I'd be interested in your thoughts too, both of you on on the on those specific um, specific points and what you'd expect from a from a male colleague in, in this environment. Yeah, Tom's made a really good point with regards to being next to them and, and not speaking for them. And as women I think we we want male allies to be involved in the conversation you know for for so many years we can push gender equality and you think how can we make people everybody feel that this is something that's important to them and unfortunately sometimes people don't come onto that journey as a as a male ally until they've had a daughter and realized the host of inequalities that their daughter might face so i think you know being understanding from day dot if you're a director and you manage a team of you know six women how what are you doing for them what are you doing to support their career development ensuring that they can work in an inclusive environment and you know we've had a really successful reverse mentoring program um, at Clifford Chance across different diversity strands um and specifically, we have one aligned with our Accelerate um, Affinity Network, which is our gender parity network. And it really is helping to have those conversations in a, a safe place, but allowing people to, to have that relationship where they can talk to someone and challenge themselves, but also think about what can they then do differently in their role. Um, and I think that's the important bit where I want to see reverse mentoring turn into sponsorship. And, you know, I don't believe in formal sponsorship programs but actually having those relationships that start off from a learning capacity with reverse mentoring which can lead to sponsorship is exactly what we want to see so we have we have a lot that we we can do in that space and I think we touched on it earlier around maternity and I think we can change the perceptions a bit if we start to look at paternity leave in the same way I think some companies are starting you know to focus on on looking at paternity pay as well and, and looking at what the uptake is but I think that can play an important role as well you know, what you both said absolutely resonates with me. And I, you know, I've been at Barclays now for 16 years and I've got to say the majority of my mentors and sponsors have been male and each of them have championed me, supported me and helped me to um, achieve my career ambitions. And I just want to share a really short story about when I returned back from maternity leave. Um, and this was back in 2009, so post the financial crisis when, you know, the banking world had undoubtedly changed and I had a new boss and um, I was in sort of a relationship director role so client facing 
And I said to him, I'd like to come back three days a week um, because I wanted two days at home with my son. And he fully supported that. Um, and obviously, in theory versus reality, two different things, right? Because to do a client facing role in sort of three days doesn't always work because clients need you five days a week, even though I had the extra support in the office, et cetera. But, you know, they were still calling me and I was trying to also catch up on emails. And it goes back to this visibility and making sure you're demonstrating you're still doing your job really well in three days. And I think I must have sent him an email at like one o'clock in the morning. And the next day I went into the office and he said, you know, Naz, can I have a word with you? And I you know, my heart sunk and I thought, what on earth have I done now? You know, what have I done? And he called me into the office and he just said to me, I'm really concerned that you're sending me emails at one o'clock in the morning. And, you know, that's not good for you. That's not good for Barclays and that's not good for your balance. He says, just come back five days a week. You know, if you need to work at home one or two days a week, I'm fully supportive of that. I do that myself as a father. I take my kids to school. And I tell you what, my, you know, a sense of relief and I just I felt I felt like I should have just had that discussion in the beginning um and you know we probably would have been in a different place but you know that is an example of the support that I received and to this day he's still a very important mentor and sponsor to me um and 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 I love the way he approached that situation so I think I always remember that and that's probably one of the pivotal moments in my career so um you know the importance of men importance of allyship um is so fundamental to the progression of women yeah and that, those stories just as you did there now they need to be shared because as a male leader as well, you learn a lot from those. You learn a lot about how to approach, what works, what doesn't work. And obviously, as always, you can learn from other people's mistakes as well. So when, when you think about it from that perspective, it's, it's super important that we talk about it. And that, that's half of the, the issue, right? We have to talk about it. And I've started to talk about it with my clients as well and encouraged everyone in the team to do just that. The, the other area that's I think is important is to challenge leadership and have a culture that's you know can be friendly it's not it's not it's not the difficult thing to do but make sure that you, you talk about it every hire every promotion every time in a positive way just challenge people to think um each other to think past the next in line of the person that you know that looks and sounds like you to be the standard for the for the next role and that's that's not a difficult change when it comes to you know one conversation but it's an important change that you that you that you do over the long term from a cultural perspective because Without that challenge and that debate, you're probably not going to get the right set of outcomes you're you're looking for. Absolutely. And look, thank you so much. There's been so many interesting points, um, the discussion, the debate. I've really enjoyed having you both on this podcast today. I think given that um, this year's International Women's Day theme is Choose to Challenge, I'd like you to ask you both what your pledge is in terms of what you're going to choose to challenge. So, Liana, can I come to you first? Sure. I think there's lots of things we could choose. Hopefully we don't all have the same. Um, But my choose to challenge is for every individual to proactively challenge their bias and do something differently. So whether that's next time you interview someone, you actively think about your bias and choose to do something differently, who you work on a project with, who's going to get the opportunity to go on that big pitch with you, challenge yourself and your bias. Yeah, no, no surprise. I've got a similar, similar type of view, but mine is mine is 100% pointed at the leaders of organisations and those managers, right? So you have to be prepared to challenge each other. So 
if I had a situation where I was hiring somebody, I would speak to Nas, for example, around just let's have a debate around have I really thought about all the opportunities, all of the different areas I should consider, all of the wider considerations around the role and who's applying and what what I can potentially do with that with that opportunity for other people to help to increase sort of the wider diversity and inclusion objectives that we have. And I think it's, it's almost that as having it as the minimum standard that you do that, I think is important. So that, that's definitely my pledge. I'm going to keep all of our other leaders um, held uh, very much to account. Well, I'm going to hold you both to account because this has been recorded and will be here forever. So whenever I don't see that, I will certainly be coming out to you. But just to share my choose to challenge and my choose to challenge is that I will forge positive visibility of women and also call out gendered actions or assumptions. So very similar to yourselves, but um, really around forging that positive visibility of women and women supporting women, I guess, which is also key to the success of this agenda. So look, it's it's been great to have you both on, on today's podcast. I think I, I'm just going to ask you both for a couple of closing comments, if I may. Um, so Tom, closing comments from yourself? I guess um, people that know me, I guess I, I like to keep things as simple as I can. I would say if, if at the very least, you have to listen and talk about these issues. If you do that, then you'll start to become an ally yourself as a male colleague. Fantastic. And Liana? Closing comment from me is we need to make traction on what we've lost in the last year. So we have a heightened awareness about the inequalities. And that just means we have a greater urgency to change things for the better. Fantastic. Just to say from challenge comes change. So let's all choose to challenge. And, and I'd just also like to add that our podcast today is being produced by an entirely female team. So, yes, progress is being made. And on that note, thank you, Liana. And thank you, Tom, for your great insights today. Hello, my name is Kali Lombard. I'm heading up the European and African subsidiary team in the international corporate banking in Barclays. At Barclays Corporate Banking, we are creating an inclusive and supportive culture not because it's only the right thing to do, but also because it's important to bring the best out within our business, colleagues and clients. Looking specifically at gender, as has been discussed in the podcast today and during this month, where we celebrate International Women's Day, we are proud to confirm that at Barclays Corporate Banking, we continue to increase gender diversity and inclusion and strive to achieve parity in the opportunities that exist. To assist us in doing this, we have a corporate gender council where we focus to attract, retain, develop and celebrate our women and their successes. And we also have a very active male allies group supporting us in every regard, every step of the way. As you heard earlier in the podcast, it remains important to keep the dialogue open and we would welcome you reaching out to us to talk about how we may be able to support you in your journey on diversity and inclusion. Let us all choose to challenge, continue to talk, and open the debate to change to be fully inclusive. Thank you.